Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're discussing who are the financial experts. And when it comes to my financial life, who should I listen to? We'll help you gain confidence in who to listen to and how to apply advice in your specific situation without guessing, having to DIY, or having to blindly trust someone with your money. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. Welcome, Bruce. Yeah, and I think there might be one more way is people uh, decide that they're, they're not going to decide. So they they just, they don't do anything. I So, agree. you know... The, the famous um, songwriter Getty Lee said, if you choose to not decide, you still have made a choice. And that'll resonate with our baby boomers out there, but uh, I'm not sure, sure it'll resonate with our millennials, but uh, that would probably be another category. That is fascinating. And absolutely. And I would completely agree with that. So maybe the lyrics didn't mean something to me, but the meaning is resonating very strongly. So um, let's go ahead and jump in. Let's set the stage. So. Finance is something that's not taught in school. And unfortunately, there's not this success roadmap that it's very easy here. Step one, two, three, and if you follow it, you're going to automatically be successful. And it's something that you kind of have to figure out what to listen to, how to handle your money. We're not taught how to keep it. We're not taught how to make it, how it works, how to control it, how to become successful. And so part of your journey, if you're trying to become successful, is to figure out who do I listen to? How do I apply that advice? And you've got a lot of questions that you have to answer for yourself in that process. And unfortunately, Bruce, we talk about all the time, there's so much financial noise out there. There's conflicting information and it can just be really overwhelming where you say, well, one person says pay off all my debt. The other person says don't focus on paying off the debt. One person says put your money in a Roth IRA. The other one says don't put your money in a Roth IRA. Defer the tax. Don't defer the tax. It's really confusing and complicated. And so if you are trying to make these steps and educate yourself, it can be really overwhelming. So how do you know who to listen to when it comes to your money? This episode is going to move you from feeling overwhelmed with that noise to knowing who you can listen to so that you can confidently tune in to what aligns with your goals and tune out what doesn't align. It will move you from feeling stuck trying to figure out everything to having the information to be able to take action and make progress. And it will also move you from feeling uncertain of whether you're going in the right direction to confidence that you see a clear path from where you are today to where you want to go. So we're going to answer, how do you decide who to take advice from and who to listen to? How do you make sure you're following the advice that leads you to your goals and makes your dreams a possibility? And how do education, personal responsibility, and the right guide or advisor really work together. Now, finding out who to listen to and what to do with your money is very similar to the same thing with your health. I mean, if you are deciding you really want to be healthy, there's so many different ways that you can come about that. There's different diets, there's different medications, there's somebody who's going to have this pill for that, this other pill for something else, and they're trying to sell you on what is best for them, and you're not really sure if it's in your best interest. Or you're also looking at, well, which type of exercise is the best for my body type? And how do I eat right? And and where does sleep factor in? There's just so much that you're trying to figure out and solve. And again, having some of that conflicting information. The yeah, in that in that realm, 
uh, statins. I don't know if you're familiar with that. You're kind of young for that, but uh, you know they're they're to reduce your cholesterol. And I've been researching more and more about this because my cholesterol is a little high, and um, my, mainly be well, it's not mainly uh, my cholesterol is high. My my what they call good cholesterol is low, and there's been some research that says that statins are are actually bad for you or they don't do anything for you. And there is some research that says they actually are linked to uh, some dementia um, and Alzheimer. And then I'm sitting with a group of people yesterday then in the health uh, field, and they said that everybody should be on a statin from the time they're an adult. It's like the greatest drug in the history of drugs. And so I'm thinking, oh, shoot, I just thought I did enough research that if my doctor ever suggested it, suggested that I'm going to say, no, I think I've done enough research and I'm going to take my chance that, you know, my health will be fine. I'm going to try to control it in other ways. And then I have somebody else that says, even if you don't have high cholesterol, you should be taking it. So I'm right, I, which is confusing, which is very confusing. And it's the same way with the variables that we deal with people with their money at, at all times. Yeah. So we have to be able to move from that position of, getting the research, making sure it's the right information, and then having enough information to be able to move forward. And how do you work with your own research and your doctor to make sure that you're making the best decisions? Because it's ultimately your health. Yeah, and I think I think that goes back to the, the analogy we're trying to use here is that when I talk to my doctor, I want to know that not only is, is he trying to take care of the cholesterol in my, but is he also worried about my brain health? Is he also worried about my muscles? Is he also worried about my internal organ system? Is he also kind of doing an integrated approach to the entire systems of the body? And mm -hmm. so if he was just a if he was just a heart doctor, a cardiologist, he would say, oh, you have to be on statins. You know, uh, I guess, you know, your brain, it is, there is some research that shows that the brain is affected by this, but I, I want to be the best cardiologist ever. And I don't want you to die of a heart attack. Now, he, what he's saying is I don't want you to die of a heart attack, but if you have dementia, you know, then that's okay. Well, that's what happens with money. A lot of times the person comes in and says, I want you to tax defer as much money as possible because you can't trust yourself and you're going to get a tax break. We don't want you to be able to touch that money. Um, an insurance person may come in and say, well, we want to put as much money as we can in insurance because we know it's not going to go down and we need to protect your family. And then somebody else might say, um, let's go ahead and get the best health insurance possible. And let's not worry about deductibles. And then let's not worry about an HSA because that's just tax deferring money. And it's really not that great of a program. So nobody's really working together. And I think that's, mm -hmm. you and I both believe that this is one of the main reasons because nobody's working together where the confusion comes from. Oh, absolutely. So let's zoom out for a minute because, again, we want to make sure that this conversation is simple and clear and straightforward and meaningful enough for you to be able to take action. So where does this fit in the greater cash flow system when you're moving from survival to significance? Well, first, we have this foundation to keep more of the money that you're already making. And then we want to protect that money. And then we want to increase your cash flow and make more. And in the very beginning, 
we start with your mindset. And this is really the door to everything else. And a lot of times people want to skip over the mindset because they just want to get to what's the financial tool or what's the strategy I should be using. But when we when it really comes down to it, we want to have a mindset that then allows us to make congruent decisions as we're moving forward. And so it brings everything else into focus. So today we're focusing on the mindset of how to find of who the true financial experts are. So the first step in determining who are the true experts would be to determine the interest of the source. And I don't know about you, Bruce, but I'm always trying to think when somebody tells me something, why are they saying this? Even if it's just friendly advice, what is in their interest? Are they trying to sell me something? Are they trying to build their, their camaraderie within a personal network that they have? What is their interest? What are they getting out of it? Is it person? Is it actually genuine selfless interest is it really caring about me or is it caring about something that they're motivated for and it's not always a so, it's not always a bad motivation because right. i do this with every article i read whether it's forbes or business insider or money magazine i then click on the person who wrote the article because i want to see where they're coming from not only in their mindset but also in their experience level it's a, it's unbelievable to me when you when I look at Forbes magazine, how many interns or first year uh, people out of college are writing about money decisions that people are making. Now I'm not saying that they can't have some wisdom, but I, I saw one just the other day: the seven ways to retire without worry, or something to that effect. And I clicked on it, the person, and it was a 24-year-old intern. And I, then I went to their LinkedIn, and they had only been at this particular publication for like seven months. And I'm thinking, they did some pretty nice research and talked to certain people, but they probably have never had a knee-to-knee conversation with a family member. And they've certainly never been one that went through the cycle of trying to retire. And I thought, mm-hmm. they, they're well-intentioned, but... That's that's a and and they they didn't have any you know monetary thing to sell you, but mm-hmm. but you have to anytime the source comes up you have to research research it and I oh absolutely so then that brings us into this discussion where a lot of times we'll see financial experts on radio, TV, maybe they've written a book, maybe there's an article published on a well-known source, like you're talking about entrepreneur or Forbes or money.com. And so when we're looking at that, what is their interest? So let's just run through this real quick. So Bruce, what would you say is the interest of maybe banks or financial institutions? Well, unfortunately, banks now are becoming uh, financial institutions in 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 the typical way of also selling securities. So banks are trying to make a profit, most of them for their, well, for their publicly, publicly traded stockholders. Every bank would have a stockholder, but most of them that we see are from publicly traded stockholders. So they're trying to make a profit. And we don't have any problem with, with people making profit. We believe in, in free market, but they're also doing it uh, now. A lot of times they're doing it because they cannot make profit as much profit as they need for their stockholders in just regular banking industry, they also have to then branch out into securities related to sell securities and to make profits mm-hmm. in that again. So anything 
that they're willing to try to present to you are either going to be bank financial services in the form of securities, or they're going to be bank services, either in the form of mortgages, car loans, um, business, um, business checking accounts, savings accounts, so on and so forth to make a profit. Mm-hmm. But what I'm always, and Mark Benson was, has talked about this for years, it's amazing that they never talk about, they talk to people about their goals, but they never talk to people about taking a full financial picture to see where all the money's mm-hmm. flowing. Yeah, and I would say even whether they're looking at the debt instruments or the securities type of instruments, in the financial institution's interest, they want to get as much money as possible. We talked about this in a recent podcast. They want to get cash flow and income so that they have the cash. Well, then they can create more cash flow from that. They can use leverage and arbitrage, and they're looking to create cash flow for themselves. So that's their interest. They would like to have control of as much capital as possible, and and hopefully yours too. If we then look at maybe um, there's some people that are financial entertainers or people that are on TV and radio and often are labeled as experts. And we're going to not slam anyone or throw them under the bus. And we're not going to use any names in this show. But there's people that are looking to build a specific audience or they're looking for uh, media coverage or maybe have a financial company that they're selling leads to. And that if they follow that person's advice, then that entertainer gets a commission or a kickback from financial products that are sold. So you have to understand that everyone has an interest and it we all should have an interest. We all want to do best for ourselves and best for other people, but we just want to know where is this coming from? And then if we look at financial advisors and and planners, there can be a lot of interest there as well. So there's different ways that a financial advisor or a planner would get paid. And there's a couple of different ones. And Bruce, we can talk about this real briefly if you want, but money under management, if they're controlling some of your capital and they're investing that and that's earning mm-hmm. a growth, they might have management fees. This is usually going to be guaranteed management fees that they receive when they have money, your money under management. Maybe they're getting a commission on a product that they've sold to you or a, a, a fee for advice. Um, is there anything else you want to share well, with that? Well, I, I think we think about the actual um, the businesses or corporations that that provide the financial noise, but a, but a, a big place that provides financial noise is your family and your neighbors. And, and mm-hmm. uh, I tell people this all the time because well, my neighbor said this, or my friend said this, or my dad said this that I should never do this. Or yeah. you're crazy for doing that. Or this is what you should do. And then I then I ask the you know the client, well, does your neighbor has your neighbor shared their financial situ- situation with you? No, but they just said I they invested in a stock and it it was really it went really really well. I said did they you know did they tell you every stock that they've ever invested in their life uh, failed? The ones that yeah. failed? <laughs> Which we just were talking to Paul Moore about this um, about failure and. And the same thing with a well-intentioned family member. Um, you know, we talk to our clients all the time that the past uh, 30-year experience um, was the first time from 2000 and uh, 2000 and I'm sorry, from 1981 to 2011. That 30-year period was the first times that that bonds outperformed equities since the Civil War. And and yet nobody's mm. ever talked about that. You know, your your so if your dad says, 
you know, son, you need to put money in the stock market because the stock market has will over the history of time will outperform anything. And I would say, well, see, that's not true because over that 30 year period right there, it did not outperform bonds. So it's it comes from your point of reference. And so the time periods will dictate who you really should be listening to. And that's why the whenever you're trying to to work in partnership with somebody to figure out what you're going to do, you need to not only understand your goals, but those goals need to be flexible moving forward because you might change. And that's where it always comes into what we say is when you control your money, then you can be flexible about how you're going to make the next term uh, turn, excuse me, turn in, in your financial life. That's powerful. And so as we're talking then about banks, financial institutions, financial entertainers, financial advisors, planners, family and neighbors, I would posit that there is one category of people that is very specifically worth listening to, and it's the successful. It's those who have gone through the ranks and they've they've become successful. They have created cash flow and they're living a life that it has time and money freedom. And often this category of people is then looking back and saying, how can I give back and how can I help people see what I've seen and be able to follow in my footsteps so that they don't have to make all those mistakes. So we're going to bring that back in a moment as we're talking. So the first step is then to determine the interest of the source. The second is to determine whether the source is providing common or uncommon mm-hmm. advice. So let's just talk about this for a minute because if we look at television or radio, specifically those outlets, they need to have a very large audience to make it financially feasible for them to share their advice. Otherwise, if they only had 1% of the population listening, that would not be a very good show, right? Right. So we want to think then if they're providing common advice to the masses, is that where we want to go? So kind of like public education. And again, I'm not I'm not knocking public education, but at the same time, there is this way that they have to teach to the lowest common denominator. They need to make sure that no child is left behind. They need to make sure that they're not necessarily teaching to the one who's excelling in class, but the one who's struggling and straggling and needing to make sure that they bring them up. And so if that is kind of the model that we're looking at with somebody who's using a a large audience and they're speaking to the majority of people, is that the category where you fit? So we're going to move into the next step because I think this is going to be really eye-opening. So step three is then to decide whether you have common or uncommon income. So if financial experts are speaking to the masses, do you fit in that or do you not? So Bruce, I know that you have done your research on this as well as I have. So maybe we're not the best ones to answer these questions, but we can certainly ask them of our audience. And I would really hope that as you're listening to this podcast, that you would think through in your mind what you think are the income thresholds to meet these criteria and categories. And then we're going to share the um, the actual incomes that are required and we'll see how you did. So if you had to guess what it takes to be in the top 1% of American households in terms of income. I guess, Bruce, what do you think most people would guess? Well, I, I think most people would say a million dollars. I I really think that this, this is so odd. I was actually playing golf with a doctor who I actually know his finances, and he he brings in about six hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year, and his wife makes another hundred and twenty thousand, and we're on the first tee. 
and he's talking about being in New York. And he said, uh, you know, I just don't understand, you know, because I can imagine, I can never imagine being rich like that. And, and I, and it just, I didn't say anything to him, but he doesn't consider himself. I mean, his family household is bringing in three quarters of a million dollars a year. And he's also, I know he's partner. So he gets a, he gets a bonus and equity in the, and he really doesn't think he's rich. And, Mm -hmm. and, and so I guess if, that's why I said, I think most people think a million dollars of income a year, they don't think of it in terms of net worth or cash flow. Mm-hmm. They just, and I, I joke about this all the time, Rachel, is with, with friends and family and clients in the 70s, it's all about your perspective. In the 70s, growing up in a small you know, town of 4,500 people, farming community, I did, and I, and I am not kidding, I did not know what 100,000 the number hundred thousand was I, I, we had, we never talked about that in school. So if you never talk about the actual number hundred thousand, you never even talked about a hundred thousand dollars, you know? So mm-hmm. we thought that if anybody had like $20,000 that they were very, very well off and they were, you know, extremely well to do as all, oh, they live in that special subdivision we have in our little, our little town. And, you know, my, you know, my dad's making, you know, like $5,400. And we, and we certainly were living fine, uh, but it's all about that perspective. So you want to run through some of these numbers? Yeah. So let's just go ahead and share the answers because I think this is going to be really telling. So in order to be in the top 1%, and now there's going to be different research and different statistics or based on what year you're looking at, but we did some research based on, um, and we'll post the sources in the podcast show notes as well, but through the um, government statistics at irs.gov. So to be in the top 1% of income, this was from 2004, the amount of money required for the household, household, both income earners, if two people are working, is $465,626. That's not even a half million. So if you think a million is the required amount, it's less than half that. Right. So Bruce, you want to take the next couple? Yes. So, and and these sources are mostly from an Investopedia. Um, So the top 5% um, have an income of 188 thousand and change to 214,000 and change. So that's the top 5%. You get to the top 10%. And um, this is something I think at least a lot of our listeners would would feel like they're getting close to this category from both, both sources. If you're in a dual income family, $133,445. And then the one that I think almost a majority of listeners that we would have um, top 25% would, would be an income of seven, the 7,714. So let me just say that in a different way. That means 75% of the households in the U S make less than 77,714. Yes. Now that's the most eye opening part. So if you are looking at what is the majority of Americans making, let's take it one step further and saying, okay, what does the top 50% of income earners make. And again, depending on which year you look at, but 38,173. And I think that number was from 2014. So it's possible that it's increased since then. So if we look at what is 
what are the masses making? If we look at what is the average income or the common income, 75% of people are making less than $77,000 mm -hmm. a year. So if we take that information and overlay it with people who are sharing financial advice on TV and radio, how does that come into play? So let's look at step four now, which is to decide whether you have common or uncommon income. So based on the information that we just shared, where would you say that you fit? Maybe you're in the top 1% or the top 10%. More than likely, if you're listening to this podcast today, you're probably at least in the top 25%, if not even more, maybe the 10% or higher. So there's going to be about three different ways that you can proceed from this. Either you're in a position where you say, whatever income level I'm at, I just want to maintain that for the rest of my life. And I'm just looking to stay at that income level. Or maybe you're in a position where you make less than that and you're okay with that and you're not looking to make income. Or maybe you're in a position where you say, wherever I'm at today, my goal is to grow and increase my wealth and tremendously outperform whatever current bracket that I'm in. Mm -hmm. You need to decide, is your goals, where you're headed, where you want to be, is that common or uncommon? And chances are, I would say, if you're listening to this podcast today, your goals are uncommon goals. So right. wherever your income falls, you're looking at a trajectory and an end point for your life that you want to be in a place that is considerably above average. Would I, would you agree with that, Bruce? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I would agree. People that are listening to this, are, they have to be in the top 25% for the most part because, um, one, we know they have a computer. <laughs> you know, they have internet access. Um, probably an iPhone if you're listening to a podcast. Probably, yeah, an iPhone listening to podcasts, so on and so forth. And they're really, they have that mentality that they are, they are trying to get whatever wealthy means in their lives. Now, you know, you certainly can be wealthy feeling, you know, making in the top – or the, the bottom 25%, but deciding whether you're going to listen to just the common way of doing things or the uncommon way of doing things is really what's going to set you aside to, for you to reach what you're trying to, to, to go forward with. And, and I would say that would be from the numbers we, we have given you that the top 25%, that seems like you're trying to get into the uncommon space of the top 20 time, top 25% not the middle 50%. Yes. So then that step five that you just shared, Bruce, was decide whether you want common or uncommon advice. And so I'll post a full quote in the show notes, but really if we're looking at then wanting uncommon advice for our uncommon income, why would we listen to an expert that's providing common advice for those that earn common income? It's not going to apply to us. And unfortunately, as soon as you are looking at trying to have a audience of millions, you need to be in a position where you're speaking to the average person. And that advice, if you are giving advice from a stage to millions and millions of people, the only way to be able to do that is to have that either not apply to the people and then they're going to end up in the wrong place by taking your advice, or you have to speak to the lowest common denominator. And I have so, to, Rachel, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you because this is one of my biggest pet peeves. And is when at the end of the year in December, whether it's Good Morning America or the Today Show, they bring on some financial person and says, what can people do before the end of the year to, to save on taxes? And you know, the first thing that's always out of their mouth is you need to maximize your, your employee's <laughs> 401k plan. And, you know, that's just, they're, they're just talking to the common 
overall person. And, but, you know, I know people that are successful listen to that and they start thinking, well, maybe I should be doing this because Matt Lauer had a guy on here, on there and the Today Show is the number one, you know, rated show in all of America. So it has to be the right thing to do, but it just gets to more of what we're talking about, the confusion of going from either common to uncommon advice. Oh, absolutely. And so that really comes down to they're giving common advice. I need to then decide, here's my filter. Does it apply to me? Correct. And if you're outside of that common income and outside of common goals, it probably doesn't apply to you. So that's why we talk about modeling the successful few. That's why we bring guests onto the show who are really specialists and focused in specific areas that will really help you maximize, whether it's your taxes or your family's legal planning or your insurance or your investment strategy and building real estate and investing for cash flow, because we're really looking at a position of making sure that you can model the successful few who are extremely outside of the outside of the common right. denominator. They're not, they're not just following average advice. They're doing something differently. And we want to bring that conversation to you. And so that's why we have this podcast available to you. And that's why we're always looking to say, how can we help you follow uncommon advice? And then having guests on like Richard Wilson, the family office model, and, and Paul Moore, who has built up a $150 million of real estate uh, those are the kind of people that we want to continue to have on, along with Bob Berg as a go-giver. And, and I'm excited. I mean, I hope people listen to the Paul Moore because he talked about giving in the times of failure. And it came back to him, you know, I don't even know. I, I don't think we can even say tenfold. It was probably more like a hundred to a thousandfold. And mm -hmm. so we're going to continue to uh, have people like tho those people on. Um, that are actually working people with uncommon goals. And um, I think people are going to find that very valuable. Absolutely. So let's then look at step six is to determine how to work together with someone providing uncommon advice. So you're not going to be able to get every financial step you need by listening to TV or by reading a book or by watching the news or even reading full time you're going to need somebody in your life who's looking at your specific situation and helping you to be able to move, move forward. It's kind of like having a personal trainer. I mean, you can pull up videos and, and watch videos on how to exercise and you can do all your own research on healthy eating and fitness. But at the same time, you're going to want a coach to be able to lead you through your specific body type and your specific metabolism and your specific maybe um, pain that you have in your body and your specific goals. It's the same thing financially. And so really, we talked about this briefly at the beginning, but I want to really flesh these out for just a moment. So there's really four ways that you can work together with a financial advisor. So let's talk about what those are. The first is to have them do it for you. And this would be giving over your money to somebody else and trusting their expertise to handle it for you and make a miracle out of whatever you give them. And unfortunately, this is a consumer type of mindset rather than being a producer, because it's this idea that I can just buy my way to financial success. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we have way too much of that in America. We think, well, if we don't have what we want, we just buy it. And then we're now happy. Well, financial success doesn't work that way because it works together with your financial education. 
and just handing it over to somebody else and not owning it personally will not achieve the results that you want. The second way would be to do it yourself. And this would be somebody who says, I don't need a financial advisor. I'm just going to listen to all the advice and I don't need help. I'm just going to do it myself, DIY my financial life, and I'm not going to have an advisor. And I've heard of people just being able to make all of those decisions and maybe they're even keeping it from their wife or their or their husband and they're trying to just be they're too prideful and egotistical to really come to someone and say how can you help me through this and so that can really end up in a bad position because you can't see your own blind spots you need someone to come in and help you see what you might be missing then there's doing uh, what did you say at the beginning Bruce you said um well, the, the, uh, you're talking about the uh, if you choose to not decide, you still have made a choice. So, yeah, so, so yes. a lot of people decide, well, this I don't know if I, I can't do it myself. I don't want to do it with a trusted advisor because I've heard there's fees involved and I don't want to be paying too much fees, but I don't understand fees, so I don't want to even do it. So they just decide that they're not going to make a choice and they're just going to continue along the path that they have chosen. So they're not going to they're not going to actually. Uh, reach any of their goals. Um, even if they state their goals, goals that uh, don't have any kind of guidance or path are, are just hopes instead of goals. Yeah. And I, I know that you and I both know this, and I'm sure our listeners have heard this as well, that if you have no intentions, you're mm -hmm. going to not end up where you want to be. And so really being able to set that intention and take the steps necessary to get there requires working together with somebody who can see further mm -hmm. along the journey than you can. And that brings us to our fourth way that you can work together with an advisor. And it's just that, to work together. The best financial strategy for you is going to be when you combine your goals, your knowledge, your personal education, and your responsibility to take ownership of your own financial life with an advisor who has uncommon advice, who is helping you get where not the average person is, but really being able to give you specific guidance to help you excel and truly achieve wealth and utilize strategies that not everyone else is using. That is going to be the perfect harmony or marriage or a connection point between you with your financial education and working together with an advisor. No, I think that's... Um... Doing it together doesn't mean you have to do it do it the way the advisor wants or what you think the advisor wants. Um, matter of fact, I tell people that all the time is, hey, um, if you sit down with somebody and before they even ask you about your uh, full financial picture, they start telling you what you need, then that you probably ought to run as fast as possible away from that particular person. So right. And again, that would come back to what's their intention. Are they right. really trying to help you or are they not? So now you as the listener have a choice to make. You can either follow common advice and the typical path, or you can seek out those that are giving uncommon advice to help you get where you truly want to go. So the number one way to tune into what aligns with where you want to go and tune out from all of the noise that doesn't match up, being Number one way to also have the information to take action and make progress and the number one way to also make sure that you have the confidence that you see a clear path from where you are to where you want to go is to decide that you have uncommon income and uncommon goals and you're going to seek out uncommon advice. Then to take ownership of your financial life 
while at the same time being teachable and working together with an advisor to maximize your money. So if you have uncommon income and you'd like to build time and money freedom by increasing your cash flow from assets, those are uncommon goals. We would invite you to do several things. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can join the Money Advantage community at themoneyadvantage.com. You can also reach out to schedule a financial picture conversation, which will put you in the driver's seat of your financial life. This will help you discover dollars that are flowing out of your control and strategize ways to get more of your money flowing back into your control so that you can retain and utilize more of your money during your lifetime and have more to pass on to future generations. You can email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com to request that conversation or to share your comments, questions, and feedback with us personally. And to get the show notes and videos for this episode, go to themoneyadvantage.com. Thank you, Bruce, for being on the show with me today. Yeah, it was uh, very interesting. And once again, I think I'll close by saying people should ask themselves what they, uh, w- the reason they should listen to us and, uh, and vet us out and um, see if our goals align with theirs. That's excellent. And remember, success leaves clues. So follow the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.